that you're here today. I really am. We're in a, uh, a great series this month. It's called Out of Darkness, and it is, uh, boy, it is some of our toughest struggles of life we're addressing in this series. Last week, we talked about depression. Um, next week is anxiety and worry. And then the following week, the last week, is about um, probably the ultimate of all serious struggles, uh, suicide, and how to deal with that on both ends of it, the, the individual and the family members. And that's how we're going to address the, the thing we're talking about today. But before we get into that, let me just tell you, this series is birthed out of a really cool thing that happens in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, when God's creating the universe, he says, let light come out of darkness, right? And he's talking physically about the universe. But what's cool about that over in 2 Corinthians 4, you can see it on the screen, Paul uses that same physical description as a spiritual analogy for what Jesus does in our life. He says that, like God said, let light shine out of darkness. And listen, this is the theme for the series. I want you to understand everybody struggles. There are dark things in our lives. But God's goal, God's theme is that his light would shine out of those dark situations. Does that sound like a good thing? Yeah, it's exciting that we can take things that are horrific in our life, that we struggle with, that are bad, and that in God's hands, with God's help, that's the key part, that there can be light and good things that come out of that. It's a lot what, what Joseph told his brothers after being sold by his brothers, after living in that prison and as a slave for 20 years, he finally sees his brothers and as adults and they apologized. And he said, hold on a minute. What you guys meant for evil, God has used for good, for the saving of many lives. And I believe that's a theme throughout scripture. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, if you have your orange bulletin, there's some notes in there. Man, I would encourage you out of all the messages to take notes today. There's a few fill in the blanks because we're splitting this message into kind of two parts. A majority of it is for the individual dealing with our topic. The second part is for the family and loved ones that are dealing with the individual dealing with our topic. And if you haven't read the title yet, let me see if you can guess what it is. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a passage where Paul, I believe, is talking about the same struggle that we talk about. Listen to this. It's Romans chapter 7. In about three or four verses, he says this. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Look at your neighbor and say, that one was for you, okay? For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Paul is totally describing our subject today, our subject of addiction that we're going to talk about today. One of the if I can be really honest with you, one of the most difficult subjects we're going to talk about all year. Paul understands the struggle. He's saying that. He said, listen, I really want to do good. Like I am committed to God's will. But for some reason, when I walk through this world, like when I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm walking through the world, I'm trying to do good. There's another law. There's another thing going on in me. And it's the struggle of good and evil. Even though I'm committed and I want to follow Christ, there's always this temptation to do wrong. And he go, he, Paul's saying, what a wretched man I am. Shouldn't you just be able to pray the prayer, right? Jesus, I'm yours and everything be fine. 
And Jesus said, listen, while you're in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He's trying to encourage you and me like you're, you're going to struggle with things. This, what Paul writes about and what we're going to talk about today is real. And believe it or not, in this room, there are people in this room, I'm sure, I don't, I don't know that. I didn't read your Facebook and I'm quoting it or anything, but there are people in this room that struggle with real addiction. Probably for the majority of us, it's going to be a loved one or somebody that we're close to, a spouse, a child, something like that that's dealing with it. So we're going to address both of those today. And my goal for this entire series is to show you this. Based on Genesis 1 and 2 Corinthians 4, where it says, let light shine out of darkness. Here's the theme, that together with God, we can fight and overcome anything in this life. Amen? Now, I'm not saying if you want to overcome gravity, you just pray and fast and then jump off a building and you can overcome that. I'm not, there are laws that you can't overcome, but I'm talking about things that fight against us. Like we talked about last week, depression, this week, addiction, those kind of things, I promise you, they are overcomable. Write that one down. Tweet that out and see what some grammatical corrections you get. So when I began to put together a definition for addiction, what, what is addiction? I looked up a bunch of different things, read a whole lot over the last month or so, just preparing for it. And I think one of my favorite statements came from the American Psychological Association's website. Under their addiction page, their first sentence says this, what is addiction? Addiction is a complex condition. That's what addiction is. No matter what you want to call it, if it's a sickness, a sin, a disease, no matter what, it's a complex condition. And out of 7 billion people, it affects us sometimes 7 billion different ways. Whatever angle it affects you today, or maybe through a loved one, I'm praying that you get some encouragement for today. You get together with some practical tips, some of God's word, that you walk out of here believing what our theme is, that we can overcome anything together with God. Amen? Okay, so let me ask you a favor, all right? From the pastor, from stage, while speaking, let me ask you a favor. A lot of times I'll joke about amen me if you hear something good. But today, it's not for me. I want to encourage you. If you hear something, you go, ooh, that's good. Just kind of give me a, like amen or ooh, that's good. You can even say that or that guy's a genius, something like that. You know, you can say any of that. Um, but it's not for me today because within this room, there are people that need some encouragement. I believe that you're here for a reason today. We have prayed for a couple of months for this series because we're dealing with such crazy, strong, difficult topics. So we're going to jump in and read some of them. Let me, let me give you a... Paul's advice to us as we walk through this world, before we get into our points, Paul's advice from scripture about our freedom in Christ. As, as a Christian, I can do anything. Did you know that? That's, what, that's why he died, not to be bound by religion, by rules of men, by tradition. I'm, I'm free to do about anything in this world. Do you know not everything in this world is good for me to do? You know that? And you know how I know I'm free to, one of the reasons I'm free to do it, because if I do those things, God doesn't come down and kill me. He gave me a free will. But he also teaches me, you better learn from other people. You better learn from God's word. You better learn from others' mistakes. Or you just won't live long enough to make them all yourself. Did you know that? Listen to what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 6 says this. You say, so he's, he's addressing what people have said to him. You say, I am allowed to do anything. And then Paul says, but not everything is good for you. Can I get an amen on that one? Okay. And then he addresses himself. And even 
though I am allowed to do anything, I'm glad you can see the quotes because he's using their information. Even though I'm allowed to do everything, here's the goal. I must not become a slave to anything, right? So Paul is saying, it's not about calling it's, we're, not, we're not talking about sin today. We're not going to draw a line and go, okay, this side of it's sin and this side of it you're still freer. We're not going to even mess with that today because the problem is not sin. The problem is addiction. Does that make sense? It's a gray line. But the problem today is sometimes we get so close and playing with things of this world, if you, make, if that, if you understand that, like we get close to those addictions or those sins. And by participating in that, we become addicted. Let me give you my working definition for addiction is this. A compulsive substance use, okay? So using a substance compulsively in spite of harmful consequences. That's what addiction is. So Using something to the point that it starts hurting you, that it starts hurting others around you, that it starts hurting your relationships, maybe your attitude, maybe your loved ones, maybe your career, your decision making, all of those things. That's when it becomes an addiction. That's when it becomes unhealthy. And much more than just black and white sin today, I want to address it from God saying it's unhealthy in our lives because he wants more for us than that. Amen. All right. So first, let's let's address those that are struggling, the individuals that are struggling with addiction. I don't know if you can see that in your notes. I've kind of got it divided up into two parts. But I want to give you some encouragement. If you're if you're to the place where you're struggling with addiction and we have, believe me, the first service, our first service is almost completely full in here. We have out of 300 adults that we have that will sit in our two services. There's a good portion of and I'm just going to say us altogether that have struggled with addiction in life. We understand that. But even if you haven't struggled with addiction, our loved ones have to the place that we understand it. All right, so here we go. First for the individual is this. Point number one, understand that God loves you through the addiction. Come on, that deserves an amen on that one. Do you know why I say that, why that's a... a, great number one foundational point for our series today, for our message, that God loves you through the addiction. Because so many times as I talk to people that are struggling with addiction, they're also struggling with their relationship with God. Because if God's got, you know, if he loves me and if he's got a plan for my life, but I'm throwing it away on this addiction, then I must be a terrible person and God doesn't love me. And all of those things come into play mentally. And I'm here to tell you that wherever you're at on that addiction scale, that God loves you through it. Can I get a big amen on that? Here, I'm going to give you a little bit of proof on that. All right. So how do we know that God loves us? Let's, let's just read one of the many scriptures in Romans five. It says this, God showed us or showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. When, when we were perfect, right? When we were doing really good and ahead of the class, living up to all of our godly potential. He gave his life for us while we were still sinners. That's his illustration of showing us, this is how much I love you. You're totally jacked, and I still gave my life for you. Totally addicted, I still love you. Like God's love is not conditional in this world. And what this tells us is, is because you didn't do anything to get his love, right? And you're not going to be able to do anything to separate yourself from that love. 
God loves you unconditionally. That's very important for us to understand as you walk through addictions in life. There was an old preacher evangelist that used to say, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And every time I would hear him say that, I would think of my friends, my loved ones, that are struggling with addictions that they can't stop. That's exactly the title that they needed. It's taken me farther than I wanted to go. It's costing me more than I want to pay. I'm here to tell you that no matter what you're struggling with, or if you are, that God loves you 100% through the addiction. All right? With that said, point number two is this. There's a flip side to that, that Satan wants to drive you away from God and away from your loved ones. Listen, Anytime you're going to go hunt, uh, not us, an animal goes and hunts something, the, what it wants to do is separate, like lions go out and going to hunt uh, the water buffalo. They're going to separate one from the herd. There's strength in numbers, right? You connected to God, you win. It may take some time. You're going to have to fight, but you win. You connected to your loved ones, you win. But you separated from God, and Satan begins to work your mind, and he begins to work your body, and he begins to work your spirit, and you lose. Satan's goal is to separate you. My absolute favorite scripture in the entire Bible is in John chapter 10. When I became a Christian in college, I I started, I just jumped over in the first book of the Bible, started reading Genesis, didn't really get it past about chapter six or seven. You know, I'm like, I don't understand all this. So I asked my cousin who was going to that church, I said, hey, where should I read the Bible? And he goes, oh, don't, don't do Old Testament first, read New Testament first. And I said, okay, awesome. So I started reading Matthew, the book of Matthew. I read chapter one. Matthew chapter one is like, is the genealogy of Jesus. It's like Bob is the dad of Frank, Frank's the dad of Jason, Jason's the dad. Of, and it just goes on for an entire chapter. I made it halfway and I quit. I saw my cousin the next Sunday. I said, dude, what are you doing telling me to read Matthew? If that's the whole Bible, I'm done. Like, I'll have to find a supplemental reading or something, you know. And he said, oh, no, 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 I should have told you that. He said, jump over in the book of John. John's like the best encapsulating for him. It was, and I recommend it even to this day. So I started reading the book of John. A few days later, I ran across John chapter 10. And it made a lot of sense with my lost non-Christian background When it said this in John chapter 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen, when you get about waist deep or chest deep in addiction in your life, you understand that the enemy doesn't want to come and bruise your arm. He doesn't want to come and like give you a black eye. He wants to dismember and destroy your life. He wants to hurt you, your potential in God. He wants to steal every promise that God's ever made in your life. He wants to hurt your family members. He wants to drive relationships apart, your kids, your family, your mom and dad, all of that. He wants to destroy it. And then I read the second half of John 10, 10 that says, Jesus said, but I have come that you would have life to the fullest. You understand like there is a, there's a, total paradox there. They're not equals, but, but Jesus is saying in John 10, what he said, like, I love you. I've come even when you're a sinner to give you life to the fullest, even in the middle of your addiction. I want to give you life. Satan has come to steal it. Be aware of that, that he comes to destroy your relationship with God, destroy your relationship with your family, but I've come to give you life. Two good points. As you walk through this relationship 
with your heavenly father as you fight to overcome the addictions you deal with. And then the third one is this. You can, it's maybe one of the hardest ones, but you can overcome your addiction. All right, I got about three people in here that believe that. I don't know if y'all heard that. Is this on? Can y'all hear that? Let me say this. Point number three, when we're talking about addictions, together with God, you can fight and overcome your addictions. Do you believe that? I believe that. I I could point, I, I don't know everybody, but I can point to a couple in this room right now that are fighting and overcoming with God's help right now in this room. I could I could, could have pointed at two dozen in the first service that are fighting and together with God overcoming the addictions in life. The things that Satan wants to pull you away from God for, the things that God said, I came for these reasons to save you. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing when we start talking about overcoming our addiction that we immediately go, am I worthy enough? Why would God save me if I'm addicted? Isn't it funny when you look at those gospels, those first four books of the New Testament, a majority of the time that Jesus had like free time where he's not preaching, where he's not teaching, you know where he's at? You know where Jesus is hanging out? One of two places, either by the sea, that's for some reason he loved the ocean there. It's kind of the circle of life with them. Or he's hanging out with a bunch of sinners. Do you know that? Throughout scripture, Jesus would see, take Zacchaeus. Remember the little song, Zacchaeus? How does it go? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I don't know the song. Y'all are going to have to sing it. Zacchaeus was a short guy that Jesus saw. He was a tax collector. And he calls Zacchaeus and says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. He goes to Zacchaeus' house. And what happens is the religious leaders end up hanging out outside Zach's house, talking about what a bad guy Jesus was because he's hanging out with sinners. Right? But, and Jesus walks outside Zacchaeus' house and he goes, hey, is it the healthy that need a doctor? Because the son of man came for, one more time he says it, I came for the sick. I came for those people like Zacchaeus. Like, do you understand when we talk about you can overcome addiction? It is when you partner with God, when you partner with Christ, when you have enough incentive, when you fight your guts out together with God, you can overcome it. My grandma, this is what's amazing. I always look for things that will help people when you talk about addiction. It's one of the most difficult things we struggle with. And let me, let me just say something else. Addiction on the sin level, sin scale, is no different than any other sin. It's the same as every other sin. Where it's more difficult for us sometimes is that it hurts more people in our lives. Because I can do some sins that y'all don't ever even know about. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I can hide those boogers. I know y'all don't ever do that, but I could do that, you know. But with addiction, it may start off just you hiding it, but it will grow until it affects your loved ones and your health and family members. And my grandma, I remember growing up, my mom's mom, Mamma, Mamma Leslie, that's what we called her. And Mamma smoked from the time she was like 12 or 13 years old till she passed away a couple of months before she passed away in her 70s. And I would ask her, Mama, why do you smoke when we come over here? And she just chain smoked. Like her cigarette would get low. She'd grab another cigarette, light it off of that one and keep going. I mean, all day, three or four packs, her whole life. And I remember when my mom said she was taking my grandma. My grandma's having lots of problems. She's in her mid to late 70s. She was taking her to the doctor. My mom 
came home after that and set us down and said that Mama had stage four cancer and she had cancer all through her body. She was only going to last a few months. And I remember sitting with my, with my grandma. She was at home getting ready for all of that. And we were talking and I said, uh, your house smells so good. It's like it's been cleaned or whatever. She goes, well, I haven't been smoking. I'm like, what? She goes, I have tried my whole life to quit. Like maybe like a month one time she quit for a month. And she goes, but when that doctor said, because you smoked your whole life, you have cancer all through your body and you're going to die. She goes, that was the last cigarette before I went in there, last cigarette I've had. And she lasted nine or 10 months after that when the doctor said that she would only last a few months. And every time I would talk to her, we would talk about, can you imagine if you would have quit 50 years ago? Can you imagine if you'd have quit 30 years ago? And just what an incentive, like my grandma needed life or death to be the incentive. You know what I'm saying? She, she needed that strong of an incentive. And it wasn't until years later that I understood that's how strong addictions can be. That's why you have to have God at the center of your fight. Now, let me tell you a story. I wouldn't advise you giving this advice to anybody or this analogy, but when I was about Three years being a Christian, been in youth ministry about two years. And that, that's the way every youth pastor ought to do it. Just live like the devil for 23 years, go straight into ministry. That's, that's the worst way you could do it. So it was at my second church. Uh, first one was kind of part-time, second church. And uh, I was in my office and this guy, one of the dads, walks in and knocks on the door in the middle of the day. Walks in and hit, I'll just call him Skip. Nobody here, I don't know him or anything. And Skip came. I said, what's up, Skip? And he was, uh, he was a dad. He had a daughter in our youth ministry. And he said, you got, you got a minute? I want to visit with you. I was like, sure. So he sits down and we start visiting. And long story short, he said, hey, I want to be one of the youth sponsors, one of the youth leaders. I want to help out with youth. And I was like, okay, awesome. I said, well, let's talk about that. You know, we have a little form that you fill out and that kind of stuff. I said, uh, man, I think you're a great human being and you're a great dad. You, you know, you're great for all of these things, except... One of the little rules that we had, a lot of because of my upbringing, I think, uh, not Christian upbringing, was to be a youth sponsor, you couldn't dip and be a youth leader. And it wasn't because like it was a sin, it was just because it was super unhealthy and I didn't want these really cool 20-year-old youth leaders dipping and showing my 12-year-old junior house how awesome it is to do something unhealthy like that. So we got into discussion about it. And he was like, so you mean everything? Like I serve at the church, I do this, I do this, And you're not gonna let me be a youth leader because you dip or because I dip? And, and I was like, well, I mean, that's one of our rules. And we kind of badgered back and forth for a few minutes. He was not having it. He was gonna talk me, he's about 10 years older than me. He was gonna talk me into this, you know, put a little pressure on this young pup. And we, we go back and forth about it. And I kept trying to tell him, I'm not judging you. You know, it's not, it has nothing to do with sin. It's just something I don't want to, put his leadership over the teenagers. And then I finally, in my three years of youth ministry wisdom, I just finally had had enough. And, and I reverted back to my, every now and then y'all get this, I, I will throw out just the most extreme analogy so that you will get it, kids. You know, like I do that with my kids. My kids are always like, that's too extreme, dad. I'm like, what well, do you understand what I'm talking about? I don't want any gray areas going on right now. You know? And you can ask them when I'm sitting right here. So, Skip, we were going back and forth. I said, okay, Skip, here's the deal. 
you say that you can't quit. You've tried for years. Like one time he went like 13 days and you know, that's his record for 25 years of dipping all that. If you want to stop, then stop. And he goes, it's not that easy. And we go back and forth about, you know, I understand and about all these different things. And I said, okay, here's the, here's the thing. And y'all don't ever use this analogy on anybody. Okay. I said, so it's Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, and this is kind of PG 13. So I'll, I'll wrangle it a little bit. Thanksgiving dinner, just picture it, Skip. You there with your family, your mom and dad, your kids and all that. A bad guy with a mask on. He kicks open the door. He blows dad's brains on the wall. He grabs your daughter around the neck, sticks a gun to her head, and he backs out and says, Skip, if you take a dip for the next month, I'm killing her. Walks out the door and you don't see him again. And he said, you sorry, blankety blank. I can't, and just explodes on me. I mean, I thought we were fixing to hook him up. I would have won, of course. But I mean, I thought we were fixing to fight in my office and he chews me out for about 30 seconds and I'm thinking oh I'm an idiot <laughs> you know like what did I just talked about blowing this guy's dad's brains out and all this kind of stuff and so he storms out of my office goes down to the pastor's office I'm standing out watching when he comes out I like get him office and close the door I'm like here it comes I know pastor comes down chews me out what are you doing telling adults you're gonna blow their and I'm like not me and I had to tell him the whole story so I, I just tread on Tread lightly, tread on eggshells the next couple of weeks. No graphic analogies for anybody. Skip, skip the next couple of weeks in church. The next couple of weeks he came. And it was about a month later or so, in the middle of the day, I hear this knock on my door and it's Skip again. And I said, hey, what's up? Very awkward, uncomfortable, you know, like I'm trying to brace myself. Like, is he coming at me? And he comes in and he goes, we need to talk for a minute. And closes my door and locks it. Yeah, like I know we're hooking up now because you don't... You know, come in and jump the youth pastor. And he sits down and he said, uh, first of all, you were wrong in that little story thing you did. You shouldn't have ever done that. I said, I totally agree. I, I apologize. If given me a minute, I would have said I was sorry, but we both kind of were upset. But I'm very, you know, I apologize. Told him I wouldn't do that again. And he goes, second of all, as of yesterday, uh, I haven't had a dip in 30 days. I said, What? And he goes, yeah, I went home that night. I'm so freaked out. Like all the way home, I punched my dash thinking it was your face. And I was like, okay, that's awesome, I guess. And he, was, he just told me about his next 24 hours. He said, at the end of that night, I realized I hadn't had a dip all day. I was so mad. I was so fired up. I was telling everybody about how, what a jerk you were and all this. I'm like, okay, sorry. And, and he just said, well, the next day I went to get a dip. And I thought, what if they were going to kill my daughter? And I was thinking in my mind, he shoots, he scores, you know, like, uh. but through that, it was totally, don't, don't use personal graphic analogies, not a good bit of wisdom, but I, I honestly believe on hindsight, that's exactly what Skip probably needed after 30 years of doing that. And we had a great discussion and great talk in my office that day. And he said, I just never, he said, man, I've tried all these, all these different things. Never could get it to work. He said, honestly, thinking about it, taking the life of my kid, about it costing the life of my family, it was enough incentive to stop. He said, now, I still don't want to be a youth leader. I don't want to be under your ministry. I'm like, man, I've ruined it. But it showed me that day that I believe within us all is the strength if you find the incentive together with God, you can overcome any addiction in your life. When Skip was telling me, I said, so what was the next day? 
his exact words were, well, I got up and I, I read a scripture, tried to find one over addiction. In the front of his Bible, he had sections for different things. And one of the sections was over addiction. And he said, I read a scripture that day. And the next day I read a scripture. And the next day I read a scripture. He said, I was just trying to find some fuel for my life. You see, the analogy got him, scared him, fired him up the first 24 hours. But what got him through the next 29 days was him giving himself the right food internally to the right relationship inside him. Does that make sense? I believe together with God, any of us can overcome any addictions in our life. So now let me, let me spend just a minute for, for those in the room that your addiction, you, you don't have an addiction, that's not the problem. But you're with a family member or a really close friend that you're struggling with them. You're hurting with them. And I'm just going to give you some pointers because on both me and my wife's side of the family, we have struggled with very close family members, immediate family members with major addictions, life-altering addictions, and have learned a bunch through that. And together with um, a lot of prep, I'm going to give you a couple of pointers, okay? You ready for this? Number one is this, and this is for the loved ones dealing with the individual struggling is this, just like we said that God would love you through the addiction, number one for the family members is to love your family members through the addiction. Love them through the addiction. Can I tell you the one absolute thing they need is not for you to come up with the solution. It's not for you to tell them how bad they are. It's not for you to show them the way out. The number one thing, your influence in their life is you loving them. Now, if you've ever been through that, just say, it's hard. I understand that. But in the second one, we're going to get to it. But the first one, the reason that we love them through that is because that's what Christ did for us. When he, 613 commandments in the Old Testament, Jesus gave us one. He said, a new commandment I give you today to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must love one another. That's what makes the difference. I don't have the power to save anybody from addiction. I don't have the power, the wisdom, the knowledge, the strength. I don't have any of that. What I can do is give them the love and partner with them and help them walk in the right direction. So saying all of that, let me give you number two, is to learn to create healthy boundaries. You being a doormat... For the loved one in your life that is addicted is not helpful for either one of you. Can I get a big amen on that one? That's a very difficult one also. And believe me, when it comes to my immediate family members, it's one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. In fact, I remember going to lunch when me and this family member are at odds because I had said, no, you can't come to the birthday of my kids because of your addiction, it's destructive, it's painful, it's hurtful. And if you show up and you're already toast, I'm going to kill you and lose my salvation, okay? You see what I'm saying? Like healthy boundaries. But I remember sitting across the table from this person, grown adult, they're mad, they're upset, we're fixing to have a discussion. And I said, let me say something real quick. And I could tell, I mean, just the look in their eyes, the way, I mean, I know them, they're blood. I said, let me say something before we get started, because I think it's going to be a good, healthy lunch for us. And we'll talk through some things. And I said, can I have your hand? And they almost wouldn't let me have their hand. I mean, this is somebody 
my, I've been my whole life with. And when they gave me their hand, I said, I want to tell you something. I know we disagree on some tactics and means and all that, but I love you more than any person on this planet. You're like, you're one of my close family members. And this person that had been mad for months and still fired up immediately grabs napkins and starts bawling and wiping tears and everything. And that's why I say the only way that healthy boundaries work is if you first have shown them unconditional love. Does that make sense? I love you. I'll I'll drive you anywhere. I'll I'll take, I'll help you, but I will not enable you. There's some healthy boundaries and you need to pray and ask God, God, what's my role in this situation? Like, how can I help this person? It's different for every family member in my life. Every one of my wife's family members, it's different according to their addiction and their personality. But my goal is I want to love them and I want to help. But how can I do that without hurting them or my kids You have to pray and set healthy boundaries that work you both in the right direction. Told you this is a tough message today. But that's exactly. Jesus, he would love people. The woman that was caught in adultery. First of all, let me just say to all the women, where was the dude caught in adultery? You ever wonder that? Okay, that's just a thought. I just thought I'd throw it out. But the, the religious leaders bring the woman caught in adultery and they throw her at Jesus' feet and say, hey, the Old Testament law says you get caught in adultery, you get stoned to death. They have rocks in their hands. They're ready to rock and roll. They're ready to go. Jesus starts writing on the ground. We don't, still don't understand what he's writing. And they say, what do, you, what do you say, Jesus? Are you going against the Old Testament? Are you going against what you say your, your dad said? Jesus is still writing. And they said, come on, we need an answer. And you know what Jesus says, if you've read that scripture, I wish I had it in the notes today, but he says, how about the first, the, the one of you that's without sin, you throw the first stone. That's always kind of cool, isn't it? When Jesus is on your side and you're the one busted. Jesus immediately addresses the issue they want addressed. All right, let's, if you want to stone her, then if you're without sin, you, you stone her because he knows you're all just as guilty. It's, it's, whether it's adultery, addiction, whatever, it's all the same in God's eyes. It's sin. So those guys drop the rocks and walk off. The lady says, thank you for that. And you know what Jesus says? A little healthy boundaries. Go and don't do it anymore. If you don't want to be in the same situation, I'm going to give you some guidelines to stay out of that situation. Don't do that anymore. That's genius theological statement right there. You ever realize that? Jesus didn't say, hold on a minute. Yes, Lord, I'll tell him. Okay, God, Father, yes. And like gave her something in Aramaic. No, he, he said, go and sin no more. Go and don't do that. And for me, it's a great example, one more time, of reinsuring healthy boundaries. It's not that the person in the addiction doesn't understand what they're doing is bad. Most of the times they do. They just need us loving on them and creating and reassuring those healthy boundaries to show them the way out. Amen? All right, last one is this, and we're going to wrap up. For those loved ones that are struggling with it, something that I learned years ago, the three C's on this last one, and you have to remember this, or dealing with somebody with an addiction will eat you up from the inside out. All right? Number one is this that you didn't cause this addiction. If it's your child, it's not because of how you raised them that they're on meth. 
that I understand there are contributing factors. I could look at my mom and dad. We joke at times about the way they raised me, right? We joke about those things. But can I tell you that Scott is an individual, that I make my own choices? Those are influences, but I make my own decisions in life. When you get arrested for being an addict at 19 years old, you don't get to bring in your parents and blame them, right? You didn't cause that addiction. Don't live with that weight. Don't live with that hurt. If, you, if it was your spouse, it's not because you're a horrific spouse. That person made an individual decision. Now, you can either walk around, oh, woes me all the time, or you can love them unconditionally and create healthy boundaries and help them fight and overcome it, right? So the first C is you didn't cause it. The second C is that you can't control it. Probably one of the most difficult things to admit in your life. Believe me, I've tried everything. I, I, I heard an old lady one time, and I mean, she was, she was old, and she said, I, what I did is I got the big family Bible, and I put it on the ground, and I literally got on, and I stood on God's word while I prayed. I was like, oh, I haven't tried that yet. So I tried it, got on my Bible, I stood on it. I mean, listen, when you have family members that are dying in front of you of addiction, you'll try about anything. And you have to come to the place and understand that you can't control it. I know, there's not a bunch of amens there, but that's the facts. You can love them unconditionally. You can create healthy boundaries and help them fight and overcome it. Amen? I'm going to say that after all three of the C's in case you haven't picked up on that yet. And the last one is you can't cure it. You didn't cause it. You can't control it. And you can't cure it. It takes them making the decision that they want to fight, and they want to overcome it. And together with your help, with loved ones, with a relationship with God and the right assistance, they can overcome it. And, and with my family members, we talk, it, it's usually when they're chest deep in an addiction for decades, it's going to be a fight for the rest of their life. But if they'll realize that and realize that you love them and God loves them, Together, we can overcome this for the rest of our lives. And can I just say this? Can I be real with you just for a second? That unconditional love really shows up when your loved one really messes up. When maybe they've done great for a month or two weeks or whatever it is, and then they have a a, a setback and they participate in that again. That's not the time for you to say, I told you so. That's the time for you to come in, love them unconditionally, Help them set some healthy boundaries to go and sin no more and help them to fight and overcome it. Amen? So with all of that said, a little bit for the individuals, some for the loved ones, I want to show you something else that's in your bulletin today. Really quick, go over this, and then we're going to end in a pretty unique way today. This insert in your bulletin is very generic, but it's a list of resources that will help get you started. All right, family members, loved ones, those kind of things. And they're kind of in order of some, a couple of spiritual things up top. And then we, we have our care network on Thursday night. That's a great step. And some at some other churches may even, once you get down toward the bottom, the, the addict may even need to be hospitalized or be in a rehab center for a while. Whatever it needs to happen together with you and the relationship with God hopefully these resources with that would be enough to overcome. So here's where we're going to end it today. In your seats, I think everybody, if there's still 
Some of those little flat sticks look like giant tongue depressors. Everybody have one? If not, just reach around beside you, seat in front of you, something like that. They're everywhere. And there's some markers in there. But before you write anything, let, let me give you a couple of for instances. What I would love to do is do this. I'd love to write a word on these sticks, a word that symbolizes what you want to pray for and what you want to break in your life. It may not be you. It may be a loved one that you're praying for. I would, I'm I'm not saying you can't write their name on it, but I would say instead of somebody's name, maybe write their condition on it, write what they're struggling with. Or maybe if you just go generic and put addiction on there, you write that. But what I would love to do is just symbolic today. It was a big surprise in the first service when we all broke these at the same time and the noise that that makes, how everybody started hollering or not hollering, but getting excited. How about that? It's just symbolic today that we put a name on this. I want to pray over it. And then I want to break it. And you take it from this day forward to symbolize your prayers that the person, the loved one, yourself, that situation would be broken. and That that addiction would be broken off their lives. That sound like a good thing? So if you will, take just a moment with the markers. They're spread out everywhere. And just write one word on that stick. Something that symbolizes what you want to pray that God would break in your life, in somebody else's life. Maybe it's just an addiction. And this little broken stick is going to be a reminder for us for the next few weeks, few months, maybe a few years to not stop praying. The most powerful most supernatural, the most spiritual thing you will ever do in your life is talk to your creator. Talk to your savior. I'm going to wait a few minutes. Let everybody, make sure everybody gets a a word on theirs. John chapter eight, while you're writing, it says this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We've talked about a lot of stuff today. And can I tell you, to be honest with you, it's probably going to take a lot of stuff if you have somebody in your family or if you yourself are dealing with addiction to fight and overcome it. But I'm here to tell you, if you won't stop fighting, if you'll trust in God and you'll use every resource available, you can overcome it. If you need a really graphic analogy and me to scare you to death, just make an appointment, come in. I'll tell you a story. I'm believing today for God to set some people free. I really do. I don't think in a 30-minute message it's going to solve everybody's problems in this world. But I believe together with God, we can fight and we can overcome any addiction in our life. Will you pray with me now while I pray? Will you just pray over what that word symbolizes on your stick? Lord, I thank you so much that you allow us, by your grace, to come before you, to offer up prayers, to ask for your help, your partnership, your strength, your power over all of these circumstances. Lord, we pray for the words on these little flat sticks, what they symbolize, all of the hope they symbolize and all of the pain they symbolize. Lord, but we believe in what your word says today. That who the sun sets free is free indeed, is free completely. And what we just read in John 8, that God, that we will know the truth and that truth all together, that truth will set us free. 
So today, God, we pray for these words and what they represent. And we pray that you would break them as we symbolically break them, that you would remind us every day to pray that this addiction would be broken out of our lives, out of our loved ones' lives, out of our friends' lives. And that ultimately we would grow in our faith and our trust in you because of what you have helped us to overcome. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. And let's all together grab a hold of it and just all together in Jesus' name, let's break them right now. Such a cool sound. And I just want to encourage you. Take that as a symbol, as a reminder to pray. Take it when you put it in your Bible, put it on your nightstand, on your dresser, wherever you need to put it, and remind you to pray for that person or that situation every day. That God, you will open their eyes and let them see truth. And when they see it, that you'll help them to fight, that you'll help them to be strong, help them to overcome the addictions in their life. Are you with me on that?